Normally I read the scripture, so I'm going to just tell you the story of the scripture. Um, it's a story about Jesus. He was invited to this party of this really religious guy. And he goes to this party, and all of a sudden this, this woman, and this woman was a, a, a prostitute, actually. She comes up, and, and she, she, she starts um, sobbing, and, 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 and she's, she has a bottle of perfume, and, and she pours the perfume on his feet, and she's sobbing so much that the tears start to wet his feet, and, and so much that she, she undoes her hair, and, and she starts mopping uh, up the tears that are falling on his feet and washing his feet with her hair. And, and the man who hosted the party, his name was Simon, and, and Simon sees the scene going on. He's disgusted, and, and, he, and, he, and he thinks to himself, what kind of prophet is this? If he knew what kind of woman this is, he would not even let this woman touch him. And Jesus knows what he's thinking. And he says, Simon, can I say something to you? And Simon says, sure, teacher, say it. Jesus says, I'll tell you a story. There's this uh, lender. He was a good man, and he had two people that owed him money. One owed him 50 denaria, and the other owed him 500 denaria. And neither man could pay him back. And because the man was a good man, he forgave the debt to both of the men. Simon, which man do you think would love him more? Simon thought for a moment and he said, well, I suppose the one he forgave the, the larger debt of. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And Simon saw, yeah. And then Simon, he, Jesus said, look at this woman. From the time that she came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And, and wetting my, my feet with her hair and washing them. But when I came into this party, you didn't even wash my feet, which is the normal thing to do at, at this time. And, and you didn't offer any oil for my head, which is normal social graces. And because she loves much, she'll be forgiven much. And those that... Love little are forgiven little. And the people around at the table were kind of wondering at this. And Jesus looked at her and said, Daughter, your sins are forgiven. And the people started to wonder, Who, who is this that even forgives sins? And then Jesus looks at her and says, Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. You know, in today's text, Jesus said to the woman that he forgave, go in peace. That's the title of today's message. I believe peace is one of the greatest benefits of our faith that we receive in the gospel. You know, when Jesus entered our world, the angels announced his birth first to the first earthly messengers, the shepherds. And they said this, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those in whom he is pleased. You know, I remember when I was 28 years old and I was first seeking God. 
I was seeking a relationship with God, and I met real Christians for the first time. And, and they had something that I didn't have. I couldn't describe it. I could only describe it as, as a quiet confidence in life. I knew I wanted that. Friends, it was God's peace. This word peace that Jesus used in the Greek is a word irene, which, which means, uh, or it covers the, the meaning of peace between enemies or, or peace of mind or, or, or peace with God. But, but Jesus is in a Pharisee's house, a, a very religious person, a Jew. And, and he probably most likely used the Hebrew word shalom or, or the Aramaic equivalent because that is the language Jesus probably spoke. And, and, and so that word would have had an even deeper meaning. Uh, Neil Platica Jr. defines shalom in this way. In the Bible, shalom means a universal flourishing, a wholeness, a delight, a rich state of affairs in which Natural needs are satisfied. Natural gifts fruitfully are employed. A state of affairs that inspires a joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creature in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. It's a return to the way things ought to be. Friends, this woman's life was restored. It was made whole through the knowledge that her sins, her past, present, and future sins were forgiven. It returned her to the way that things ought to be. You know, before Jesus left this earth, he, he said to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. That's from John fourteen twenty seven. And here Jesus is speaking of the, the Holy Spirit, his, his own presence that would indwell his, his disciples. And so, friends, each of us are, are, are to carry his peace within us. And, and just like him, we are to enter our world and, and to bring his peace with us through the gospel. We are to enter into human relationships with the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, we first must have that peace in our hearts in order to bring it to others. You know, I mentioned last week that our model at Crosswinds is, is different than, than most churches in America. Most churches in America are seeking to attract people into their building to share the gospel of Jesus with people. And if you read the scriptures, that actually was not Jesus's method of sharing the gospel. Instead, he entered into the lives of people and shared the peace of God with them right where they were at. And we illustrate our model or his model with something called the four fields. Jesus would go into a field or a human relationship and he would plant a seed of the gospel by, by sharing the peace that God wanted to have with people. And, and, and then disciples would follow him and learn to obey the gospel and live in the peace that he gave. And then they would be gathered into groups that would go out 
and enter into other fields of relationships and, and share God's peace with others. And then that process would be replicated over and over again. The text that our story, the story I told is based on, can be used by any of us as his disciples to share the peace God wants us all to have with others. Some of you that I have discipled or maybe that others have discipled here have used that as a tool. We have a tool here called the Seven Commands of Christ, seven stories that you can learn to to share, just like I did in the beginning, seven important truths of the gospel. People like to hear stories. They'll listen. I would like you all to go back to Luke chapter 7 this week, verses 39 through, through 50, and, and, and read that story maybe four or five, six times, and, and, and just simply look for an opportunity to share that with somebody this week. Anybody, when it becomes relevant. I bet you most people out there that you run into don't realize how forgiving Jesus really is. Because they have met Christians that act more like Simon than Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this week, go in peace and share this story this week. Okay, we're done here. (laughs) We, we, We could be, right? But let's let this story sink in a little deeper and let's let us fill our hearts. And I'm going to dive into the text a little bit. So the Holy Spirit is full in us. Verse 36, I'm going to go into the scripture, says this, of this story. I guess it was 36 through 50. Um, One of the Pharisees asked to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And right here, I'm illustrating or Jesus is illustrating exactly what I'm saying to you. Jesus accepts an invitation to go and eat dinner with somebody who's ideologically or even uh, different than him and is actually potentially very hostile to Jesus. He enters in, that's why that graphics, he enters into the life of somebody who's different. Now, how do I know that? Weren't the Pharisees and Jesus both Jews? Well, all you have to do is look at a couple verses before and you'll see that there's already tension in the air between the sect of the Pharisees and Jesus. Jesus quotes their attitude of him and the description and a kind of a description of his ministry. It says up a, a few verses before, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what the Pharisees thought of Jesus. And yet Jesus gets this invitation, and he accepts it, and he enters a new field of relationship to bring the the peace of God into a place that is maybe hostile to him and his ideas. But, But many Christians today isolate themselves from a world that is often hostile to us. And we act more like Pharisees, and that word Pharisee means a separated one. They separated themselves from society. But Jesus came to incarnate. He came to enter in to fields of relationship. And so he accepted this dinner invitation where he might be a little uncomfortable. And and I'm telling you, this week, if you're willing to open yourself up to accepting an invitation 
to something uncomfortable, maybe a ride along with your boss who you don't like, or, or, or maybe a coworker who you don't really like that much to, to go to lunch with them, or, 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 or maybe to go over to your nosy neighbor and help him with a yard project. Enter in to somebody's life. That's all you need to do. Somebody that's not a Christian, or you don't know where they're at, you might just find an opportunity to share the story that I just gave you. You might say, how, how would I get the opportunity? I don't know. It's going to get exciting. You are just to take your peace with you. And be like Jesus and see what happens. Verse 37 says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet, anointing them with ointment. Now the key word in that verse to me is the word behold. An opportunity presented itself. Jesus didn't go out to create an opportunity. He went with his peace and the opportunity came to him. This is why you have to read the story over and over this week so that you have the peace of the gospel in your heart and you're prepared. If that peace of the gospel is in your heart, then it is there to overflow out of you when the opportunity presents itself. What did Jesus say? Come all to me who thirst and drink, and out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. That's the peace of the Holy Spirit. So we have to pour in first before it pours out. So if your peace was shattered when I said, go share the story, you got to fill first. What is more important is to be ready to share the story and to be ready to go and let God bring the opportunity. Now, this is quite a scene to behold, isn't it? That that creates the opportunity for Jesus. Brokenness finds him. And it requires a peace that only he can give. Now, don't you think if you're out in the world and if you're really listening and really hearing and seeing people this week, you're going to see somebody that needs forgiveness in our world, in our broken world today? Do you run into people that need peace for their conscience? Friend, do you need peace for your conscience? Forgiveness is the most relevant thing imaginable everywhere because we all fail in so many ways either with our god or with other people and and when we do that we we feel broken because of it anybody else like me failed this week in a relationship and felt a little broken over it we all do and uh, and, and, and so somebody you're running into this week is going to feel that way if you're open and this story could encourage them. Our, our text says the woman who enters is a woman of the city who is a sinner. And, and by the way this is phrased, 
And Simon's later reaction, it, it, it really means that she is a notorious sinner in the community. A, a prostitute is, is what the commentators say, uh, that heard that Jesus was going to be at this Pharisee's house and, and somehow found her way in there. Now, it's possible that Jesus had already forgiven her sin on another occasion, which gave her the boldness to, to sneak in there and come in. Because we know that the Pharisees were very upright, moral, religious people. They were very disciplined. To be a Pharisee, you would have had to memorize the, the first five books of the Bible. On the outside, they seemed to have it all together morally. And it's a surprise that she's there. And, and she walks up behind at Jesus' feet. In their, their culture, people would have been reclined at very low tables, laying on the, on the floor, at, at, at low couches, on low couches, and their feet would have been away from the table. See, feet were considered especially vile and unclean because you traveled everywhere by, by walking through streets with open sewers and animal droppings. Now, her bold plan was to come and just honor her master by taking the most valuable possession she had, a, 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 a alabaster flask that hung around her neck. It was so valuable to women uh, that, that they never took it off. Rabbis would actually let them keep them on on Sabbath because women would not take off this. It was so valuable to them. And, 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 but in the presence of Christ's peace, something outside of her plan happened. Tears just started streaming falling uncontrollably as she felt his love and acceptance as she got near him. And she started wetting his feet. We don't know whether these are tears of gratitude for the mercy she had already received from a forgiveness from her past that he had given her, or she had heard him teach and, and seen his love and acceptance of other sinners and had come desperately that day seeking his forgiveness. And when he, she got close she knew by faith he was the one who could forgive her now. And the text says she wet his feet. So uh, it must have been a deluged, uncontrollable sobbing to, to produce enough water to actually wet his feet. Friends, before the peace of God comes to us, we must first mourn our sin. If our sin has not been mourned, then, then true peace has not come to us. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. James 4, 8 and 9. Jesus, as God incarnate, allows his peace to rest upon her. He allows her to draw close to him in this intimate way because this is what she needs. This woman had been rejected everywhere. Could somebody get me a Kleenex? <laughs> uh, everywhere else um, on the street. And, and, and she had been rejected by every eye in that room because of her reputation. Thank you. And those that, thank you, Todd. Those that don't, thank you. Those that don't reject her now or don't reject her on the street, use her and then reject her. But Jesus doesn't reject her. He simply allows her to draw close. 
and let his peace and grace fall upon her. And as she feels his grace, weeping and tears flow. Tears of gratitude. And she softly responds like a child, adoring in the only way she knows how, by by kissing the feet of the one who has given her heart such peace. She feels God's wrath has been removed from her conscience by his kind acceptance of her. This woman had only come intending to perfume his feet and honor him, but so much water has fallen from her eyes. Now, as an intruder to this party, she has no towel to to wipe his feet with, so she improvises. She unbinds her hair and starts mopping the flood of water to clean his precious feet. If you look at the pronouns in this verse, it's all about her loving actions to him. She didn't notice any other eye in the room. But the Pharisee, Simon, the host of the party, he noticed the scene. And God's peace did not fall on him. Verse 39 says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Simon is agitated by her entrance on the scene. He has no compassion for her sorrow. There is no appreciation for the joy she has received in Christ's peace. The text says, Simon said that next line in his head. Now, Jesus being God could have read his mind, but I think the writing of the disconnect, discontent was on Simon's face. And I think that Luke was able to write this because everybody in the room knew what Simon was thinking. Because it was probably what they were thinking. And so the disciples could record it. Everybody in the room knew what kind of woman this was. And, and Jesus was a rabbi. And this woman was not his wife. In a rabbi's mind, in, in, in their culture, for a woman to let down her hair for a man was just the same as bearing her breasts to a man. This, this was a sexual act. Actually, the phrase, who is touching him, that, that, that Luke records, has a, a sexual connotation to it. Call him a prophet? Uh, uh, some call him a messiah? For Pete's sakes, he's a rabbi. This man must be an idiot to let a woman like that touch him in public. That's the attitude Simon is displaying. Simon would have preferred that Jesus kicked her away than let this woman touch him. By leaving his peace, showing a grace, Jesus had risked his whole reputation with the whole religious community. And Jesus answering said to Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. Jesus answers the thought and and, answers and, and, and everybody's thoughts are just hanging pregnant in the room. 
just wondering what's going to happen next. Friends, if, if you start carrying the peace of God in you, you'll find yourself in, in situations where you have the answer that everyone in the room needs. And God will start to give you the floor. Jesus, sensing this moment, basically says, Simon, can I share something with you? And Simon says, yeah, bring it. And, and what does Jesus do? He tells the story. Exactly what I'm asking you to do. Because people don't find stories threatening. He tells a parable. And a parable or a story is a little bit impersonal, so people can stay a little bit detached and, and try to understand them before they get guarded in their pride. And a parable is a story that teaches a truth. And so Jesus tells a story. A certain money lender has two debtors, and one owed 500 denarii, and the other had 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And, and Simon, being a logical and moral man, gets the logic of this parable. Basically, if a wor worker made about 50 denarii a day, well, 50 denarii is about a day's wage. Uh, one denarii is one day's wage. So 50 denarii, uh, that's 50 days wage. And so if a guy owed 500 denarii, that's 500 denarii's wage. So obviously, if a boss forgave somebody 500 days wages, he's going to love his boss more. So I suppose that would be the guy that would love his boss more. You know, Simon's answer is a little bit cagey back to Jesus. And, and I think the reason why is he knows that Jesus' reputation as a teacher and he wants a little bit of a back door if he needs it. And then Jesus says to him, you've judged rightly. And you can almost picture Simon looking to his Pharisee buddy and go, yeah, you know, giving him a high five. But then Jesus does something he doesn't expect. And he, he turns towards the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Friends, that's a, my favorite line of this text. Simon had seen the woman, but he had never actually saw her. He knew her career, but he didn't know her. Jesus, she came from behind. He, he didn't see her enter the room. And, and maybe he didn't even look back when she touched him. But he knew her. He knew every hair on her head. Simon had his glaring eyes on her the whole time. He could see, but he was blind to what was truly going on in her life. All he saw was a sinner. Jesus had to remind him of her, her humanity. Jesus was specific. He said, do you see this woman? This one created in God's image. He, he reminded Simon that this woman is more than her sin. That she feels emotions. Emotions given by God like sorrow and compassion and love. And then he reminded Simon, in a subtle, maybe not so subtle way, that he lacked some basic humanity that she actually had. He said, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has not wet my feet with her tears. 
and wiped them with her hair. And you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has, not, uh, she has anointed my feet with ointment. And while Simon was horrified by her displays of affection towards Jesus because of her reputation, Jesus points out his lack of affection and compassion for him, but also others. After all, it was simply social graces in their culture to wash guests' feet when they entered your home. And not only was that a consideration for Jesus as guest, but think about it. It was for the health and comfort of everybody else who was reclined at the table. And Simon had forgot that because if you didn't wash his feet, those stinky feet that walked in the, the streets were around everybody else at the table. It was basic graces to anoint the head uh, uh, and refresh the traveler so they're fresh for dinner with everybody else. He, he was showing no concern to everybody else. Was, was this too much expense? And was Jesus too dirty to honor him in this way? Uh, this woman had, had anointed the most dirty part of Jesus' body with the most precious thing that she owned. She used what is, even today, the most glorious thing for women, their hair, to cleanse the most filthy thing on his body to make him comfortable and others comfortable. Simon's lack of compassion to Jesus actually shows his lack of compassion to others in general. And it's amplified even more with his attitude and his anger towards her. He's religious, but his religion seems worthless. It, it seems empty. In John, 1 John 4, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love a God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from God, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's from 1 John 4, 20 through 21. Then Jesus says something to Simon that's astounding. If you will hear it. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, Simon's logical answer to the simple parable is destroyed. He has no back door. The woman was a 500 denarii sinner in the parable. Ten times a sinner as Simon, who was 50. But here's the reality. They were both debtors. No matter whether you owe 50 or 500, neither of them could pay. And if the money lender came back and wanted to collect their debt, he had the right to put either of them in jail to get the amount back. But fortunately, the money lender in this parable is God. And he is good and he is willing to forgive the debt of both. Simon has been judging his own sin like an earthly debt from a human perspective. And, the, and that's the way most of the religious in this world do. They believe there's some kind of cosmic scale that if they do enough good in this life on one side and against their bad, if they can just keep those scales balanced to good against bad, then God will accept them. And, and, and Jesus is saying the opposite. He is saying the sin is like a debt that cannot be paid. 
And if we trust our own scales, the scales of our own effort, we will be jailed in hell forever. Forgiveness comes only from a good lender or a good God that is willing to set us free. And this woman loved and trusted in the goodness of Jesus with everything she had and was given complete forgiveness in return. When Jesus says, I say, he is claiming the authority to forgive sins. He is claiming that he is the lender, God. Beloved, forgiving sins is something that only God can do. Yes, I can forgive you for an offense against me, but that ultimately does not forgive the debt of sin against God for harming one of his creations made in his image. Yes, this woman offended God in many of her sexual sins. And the Pharisee, who considered his sins less, offended God in his judgment and his unkindness of her. The reality was they were both an offense to God that created unpayable debt. The Bible says the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. The woman and the man both deserved God's wrath. But she drew near to God and found mercy through forgiveness. But unfortunately, Simon, who supposedly knew the scriptures, did not. He rejected Christ and her. He should have remembered what Psalm 145 says in verse 20. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. You know, Simon was confident in his own goodness, so confident in his own goodness that he judged God and the woman. He rejected the Lord's compassion for her and he kept the Lord at arm's length. Jesus says, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Simon was forgiven little because he did not think he needed forgiveness. He had little grace or God's peace to share with others because he didn't need God's grace. Conversely, the woman knew that she needed God's grace and forgiveness, and she was filled with God's grace and forgiveness for others. Now, until this time, Jesus had not addressed the woman. And neither had Simon directly. And Jesus looks at her and says, your sins are forgiven. And for a moment, I'm sure that everything in that room faded for view for her. And her heart leapt in her chest. And she felt a new joy. The prostitute was now a virgin. I want you to hear exactly what Jesus said, because it's critically important. Your sins are forgiven. That's present tense. That's not someday in the future. That's not when you get your act cleaned up and get it right. That's not you have the potential to be forgiven. Because that's how some of us think of it. You have the potential to be forgiven. That's that you are forgiven now. Present tense. All your sins, past, future, and present, 
forgiven. Many of us constantly feel that we need to work off our past sins. Many of us still are battling present sins. Some of us worry about future temptation to sin. Friends, that's not the gospel of peace. Jesus fully restored her, declaring her sins forgiven now and forever. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, if we share this kind of peace, it'll create a buzz in the room. And that's exactly what it did in this room. There were those at the table who started to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? Who is this? This is the reason you need to tell this story. Because you will get people wondering who Jesus really is. Someone who can even forgive a prostitute. See, many people in our world think his followers act more like Simon. And so they don't know the peace of Jesus. And when you start telling a story like this, they'll go, who is this? Where have you been hiding this guy? You want them to ask themselves, could God really be like him? I thought God just wanted to punish people. I thought God just wanted to judge people by rules like Simon does. Tell them, no. Reality, that's us. We are people who are more like Simon. Judging others for their sin instead of facing our own sin and mourning it like this woman did and drawing close to him and finding his mercy. Let them be surprised by the one whose sin, whose sins were not forgiven in this story. The religious guy, Simon, who played by the rules but had no love. And that Jesus said to the prostitute that all the religious people rejected, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus didn't say that to the morally superior one. Friends, Christians are not morally superior to anyone. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I know that's not true of me. I'm a chief of sinners. And the people of this congregation sin just as much as anybody out there. Even Cleone. No one here has a halo, and if they think they do, watch out for them. This woman still sinned. She did not all of a sudden become moral. She became forgiven by God. She had peace with God. The Pharisee, Simon, probably was still more moral than her in his behavior, but he stood condemned by God. The difference is what Jesus said. She had faith. We don't please God with our morality. We please God by our faith in his goodness 
and his love. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's how we please God. The woman's faith in the goodness of Jesus saved her. And what he said next is simply amazing. Go in peace. You're back to the way you ought to be. You have peace with God forever. Jesus shared the eternal peace he had come to earn for us all with her. Isaiah, the prophet, said this about Jesus, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. As much as she loved him, he loved her that much more. He came to this earth to give us peace by allowing himself to become God's enemy. He became God's enemy on the cross by playing, placing all of her $500, 500 denarii debt on him. All of Simon's 50 denarii debt on him. All my 50,000 denarii debt was on him. All of whatever your debt is was on him. At Golgotha on that cross, all of that was put on him forever. We in Christ are no longer condemned. We have peace with God. The proof is what happened three days later when Jesus walked out of the grave, giving the answer to this question forever. Who is this? He is the Son of God who has the authority to say to you, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. He's the only one that has the authority to say that to you. And he has proved it with his goodness and with his love to you. The real question today is do you believe it? And if you do, will you go in peace today without anxiety about your past sins or your present ones or your future ones because they've been dealt with forever? And will you take that love and share that peace with others instead of judgment because he has paid for their sins too. Spend your time learning that this story this week so you can share it often with love because you can either be a Simon studying the word of God to judge yourself and judge others for their failures or study it to share his peace in your own heart and with others to love much. Jesus' own friend Peter must have learned something from watching these events unfold in front of his eyes. He wrote this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I want you to think about this. She washed his filthy feet. 
gets messy when we go out in the broken world. But the peace of God was upon her, and she went in peace. And that peace was shared. The perfume on her must have, that scent went out into the marketplace as she walked everywhere, and everybody benefited. Those living waters will flow from you. You just need to go out. Go with God's peace and share it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your love. You loved much. Thank you for your love in Jesus Christ who died for us. We praise you. Lord, let each of us right now turn to you. Mourn our sin. Be honest with you about it. Come to you like the woman, just not caring about others in the room, but just personally to you, asking for you your mercy and your forgiveness, knowing that you're good and willing to forgive. Holy Spirit, come convict us of our sin. Convict us of our hard attitudes. Convict us of of where we have failed you. But then come and convict us of how good and merciful you are and how much you love us and how you've known us since before the foundations of this earth. How you know every hair on our head. You knew every hair that touched his feet, Lord God. You had the authority to create the earth with your word and your word has the authority in a word to forgive us. And by your word, you declared us forgiven when you said it is finished on the cross. Lord, let us walk in freedom today. You have broken the chains of sin and death and we are free. Father, if there's anybody here that has not believed that before, let them believe that today and turn and follow you and share your peace with others. Let them be on mission with you. Thank you, Lord, for sharing your peace with us, and may we share it with others. Thank you for the salvation you bring, the forgiveness you bring. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Today, if you would like to pray, I'll be here up front. If you just need to come and repent or speak with somebody about what's going on inside you, I'm I'm here to pray. Thank you.